Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon. I didn't go away, for goodness sakes. I've just been a little busy, not able to post podcasts the last couple of weeks. But hey, that happens. I picked up a couple of NFL sideline gigs for Fox. Had a ton of fun in Minnesota. It snowed in Minnesota a couple of weeks ago. Snowed on Sunday. Thank goodness they have that new stadium that's beautiful and also covered. And then I was in Tampa Bay for that Browns-Bucks game last week and uh, doing the sideline gigs, which one of the responsibilities is you do the interviews after the game. And I hit my producer, Barry Landis, who does an unbelievable job. has been doing this for a long, long time. About two minutes left in that game, I said, Barry, who do I interview if the game's in a tie? And he goes, oh, man, I'm, I don't know. I've never really been asked that question. <laughs> so we're, we're going over who like, you ask. The, you get the quarterback for the Browns. You get, you get Winston on the box. Do you ask a coach something? What do you do? And luckily, we didn't have to deal with that because that long field goal was made. And uh, we grabbed Jameis Winston to talk about the Bucks win. But back to some golf. I've got some stuff coming up. Got the Top Golf Tour in early November. Hopefully, you've been following along with that. And uh, some other fun stuff in November as well. We have Paul Azinger today on the podcast. Paul is a frequent guest, as you know, and just announced on Monday that he is replacing Johnny Miller for NBC. He'll be the new voice of golf. He's going to be the voice of golf, get this, for three of the four major championships, the Olympics. He'll be in Australia. He said his first gig is going to be Mexico City. Man, that guy is going to be flying a lot. And uh, I mentioned it on the pod, but nobody, in my opinion, better suited to replace Johnny Miller than Paul Azinger. I've had a chance to work with him over the last few years. He's become a friend of mine, one of the most fun-loving guys you'll ever meet, the best attitude of anybody that we work with, and I'm just so thrilled for him because I just there's there wasn't really anybody else, I don't believe, that can do uh, what's needed in that position to both be critical and funny and entertaining and intelligent and know the ins and outs of everything. He uh, he does it as good as anybody. So a good conversation. Hope you enjoy that. Before we get to it, I just wanted to let you know that when it comes to golf equipment, everybody wants a brand new driver. You want a brand new golf ball. Hey, I got to get the new Pro V. But what about the golf bag? Everybody forgets about their golf bag. I see so many ratty golf bags at these unbelievable golf courses, top 100 courses, or, or the destination you and your buddies go to at Myrtle Beach or Scottsdale, and there are these ugly, gross golf bags that have been around since the 90s. If you haven't changed yours in a long time, treat yourself to an upgrade today with the Ogeo Cirrus bag. It's fully loaded with all the features you want in a golf bag, yet it is remarkably light. Uh, you can carry it effortlessly while also protecting those brand-new clubs. It's got a water-resistant pocket for your valuables, which is very much needed as the uh, weather turns right now. You have a rapid access pocket to grab a new golf ball if you send one out of bounds. It's got a water pocket for your water bottle. Check out Ogio.com, O-G-I-O.com, or your local golf retailer to get your hands on the Cirrus today. Stop carrying around that old golf bag. Just stop it right now. It's time for an upgrade. Ogio, the world's best bags. And uh, let's get to Paul Azinger. I am very pumped to uh, have a conversation with the new face of golf. And we welcome in, now I'm going to call him the most wanted man in all of golf, Paul Azinger, who I'm sure you guys get exhausted of Paul and I, but hey, I, he's my favorite person to have on the podcast, so damn it, he is back. Zing, first things first, man, a big congrats. Uh, the news came out this week. You're taking over for Johnny Miller after the Waste Management, and you're going to be kind of doing uh, all the NBC Golf Channel stuff along with a couple of events for Fox, and, uh, and I just wanted to say congrats first. Is it surreal to be going through this kind of uh you know media car wash knowing this is going to be your job for the next few years it is a little bit i I mean i've done it 11 years which is kind of hard to believe 
um, getting my start there at ABC and then having that turn into the ESPN. And But it's always been a limited schedule, so to be able to jump in there and do a full schedule, plus I'm doing the Masters for the BBC, and I, I'll get to do three of the four majors, Shane. Um, you know, plus now, when they every time they lose the Ryder Cup, they, everybody wants me back, too. So I do feel like the most wanted guy. I know this doesn't last forever. And uh, once I get going, I'm sure the tweets will be something. I'll get a couple tweets to be like, man, we thought we we wanted the Johnny out of there. This is worse. So I know how it goes. But uh, I'm really humbled by it. I consider it a privilege and an honor and a responsibility, really. Uh, these guys that are trying to win are trying to make history. Uh, even uh, it doesn't have to be a major. You know, I always thought if you want to make history, you have to win a major. But quite honestly, if you win at Honda, you're, you're going to be in the history books uh, for the rest of your life in some capacity, maybe not on a giant scale. But uh, it's just it's a privilege because I can still remember what it felt like to try to close them out when I had all my skills together and it was easy to hit the sweet spot. And I can remember when I was scratching it around and what it takes. And golf is so much in the head. It goes beyond the physical so often and so much into the mind and how a player thinks. Um, I just can't wait to get to document it. And uh, like I said, I I just am really, truly humbled by the opportunity. And I'm going to go in there and be myself. I'm not trying to fill Johnny Miller's shoes or anything like that. I'm just going to go be me, and the the best thing there at NBC is they have everybody already in place that have been doing it for years and years and years, and uh, it's an easy chair to slip into in that regard, um, but I'm not going to look at it like I'm trying to fill Johnny's shoes. That would be too much pressure. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned in your transcript uh, that they had out on Monday, you, you had a chance to chat with Johnny Miller about the decision. What did he tell you? Um, personally, you know, as you were preparing to make this decision to come on and, and as as we mentioned, replace him. And, and, I, and I think the replacing Johnny Miller thing is going to be what you see in the headlines a lot. But, I mean, you know, you said it. You've been doing this 11 years, so it's not like you're coming in uh, evergreen. I mean, you've been calling U.S. Opens and you've been calling major championships, Open championships. So this isn't some new thing. But what did Johnny tell you as you were preparing to make this decision personally? Well, I had already made the decision. I already had kind of gotten his blessing. He was ready to go. Tommy Roy and the folks at NBC said he'd been wanting to go for a couple, three years. So I felt good about that fact, that he wasn't getting pushed away or pushed out. He's going out on his terms, which was important to me. And I told him that. It was a relief to me to hear him say that he was ready to go. Um, He also, uh, he just told me, just keep telling it like it is, Zinger. He says, I don't know why... These guys don't want to tell it like it is, but you do. And uh, that was his really his advice. Uh, he was happy for me. But at the, when I was talking to him, the word wasn't out yet, and he was getting ready to do some interviews. And we were trying to keep it a secret, but it was like the worst-kept secret ever. But I, <laughs> my favorite thing he said the whole telecast was, or I mean telecast, the whole conversation, he said two things that, I'm, <laughs> that I liked. But he said uh, – yeah, he said, I'm going to do some interviews tomorrow. I'm doing, I'm doing everything I can to keep my mouth shut about, about you taking my place, <laughs> which was seemed so hard for him the way he said it, to right. not say something. And the other thing, I asked him about Tommy Roy a little bit and uh, his, his producing style, because our producer, Mark Lemus, is just so laid back. And Tommy's uh, fun, i got to say. But, you know, he's a little more intense. And I asked Johnny, I said, does he yell a lot? He goes, does he yell? He goes, nah. <laughs> no, nah, he doesn't really yell that much. He said he'll yell once in a while, but uh, usually when he yells, he says, 
what did Johnny just say? <laughs> and this is Johnny telling me this. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, I'm thrilled. I really am thrilled. It, it really just hit me, honestly. It hit me the uh, night before last, and the deal has been done for a couple of weeks. But it just hit me a couple of days ago, the magnitude of this position. And I don't think it's going to be difficult or that stressful. Uh, but it, there is a responsibility to get in there and be prepared and to do it right. Well, I mean, I've sat next to you, you know, through USGA events and, and major championships. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you are prepared. You know what you're doing. And what I've always been impressed by you in particular over anybody I've worked with is you're, um, you're an analyst that gets television. I mean, you understand the processes of how TV works. And when I say that, I'm talking about the stuff that people on that are watching don't see, you know, the ins and outs of breaks and, you know, when we're changing pictures and when things are happening. And you understand all of that, just like somebody that's doing play-by-play -play or just like a host. So, you know, that is something I don't know if you can teach it. I don't know if it's something that can be learned, but it's something that you've been very, very good at over the years and you know a producer is blessed to have that type of person in that chair so it's going to be great I wanted to ask you about Johnny Miller in particular because Johnny came in at this job and he was a critic and I feel like there was a long run of guys that would talk about the sport but would avoid being critical of the players and you are a little like that you're not scared to critique something going on on the golf course and you understand that when you're critiquing a player they might get upset about that when did you want, when did you kind of learn this yourself and how much of Johnny did you kind of follow the lead by? I just wanted to be myself in most cases. And, uh, I'm not really a deficit thinker. Um, I'm a upbeat, more positive thinker. And right. I try to put positive spin on as much as I can. I think my biggest lesson really is to not make it personal was when Rory Sabatini left Ben Crane at, at Congressional one year. And he would played with Ben Crane the first two days, and Ben's painfully slow. And uh, he didn't play with him Saturday, but he got paired with him again on Sunday. And Judy Rankin was on the ground, and she said, the strangest thing's going on. Rory Sabatini is standing on... 17 green and Ben Crane hasn't teed off yet on 16 and they're paired together or no, on 17 he hadn't finished 16 and they're paired together and so we got on that and suddenly Ben Crane made a couple birdies but Rory wasn't with him he left him now he's standing on 18 with uh, bright red pants on or a red shirt or something white pants red shirt I think is what it was and he stood out like a sore thumb and if you remember that peninsula green there the par three right it, congressional he couldn't have been any more in ben crane's way and ben crane had made a couple nice birdies and suddenly had a chance to make a pile of money and if he bogeyed the last hole it was going to be several hundred thousand dollars and it really ticked me off at rory sabatini and i got personal about it i remember saying something like let me tell you something if he was paired with me those white britches he's got on right there would be covered in dirt because he and i'd be going at it that's what i said on the air and my dad was so mad at me for doing that. I called Sabatini and, and apologized to him the next day, and uh, he never really totally forgave me, I don't think, but that's all right. Um, and then, like, you know, this year at the U.S. Open, suddenly Ian Poulter's got a chance. He's, he's put himself on the board, and he flares the uh, seven iron from the middle of the fairway on, uh, I want to say 15 or 16, into that right bunker. Right. And he sculled it out, and he chopped it along, 
uh, to the left of green. He couldn't get it on. He made triple. And so my criticism really was like the, this is the way I said this. I remember saying, hey, look, we've all seen Ian Poulter, and we know there's not a lot of choke in that dog. But I got to say, I think he just took the apple on this one. And so that's the way to say, you know, it's the kind of a way to say choke, but it's right. an extra way to do it. I don't think Johnny called anybody a choker. I think what Johnny used to say, and he'd say periodically, was that this is a shot you can choke on. Right. And if a guy hit a terrible shot, well, then it's assumed he choked. So he did stick it out there a few times, but I don't know that he was personally trying to say this guy choked. Now, he did get personal with Justin Leonard. He needs to go home and watch it on TV at the Ryder Cup that time. And uh, But my goal is to never make it personal in a negative way. Make it personal in a positive way if you're going to make it personal. Um, I've known Phil Mickelson forever, and he's a dear friend. But when he swatted that ball, that moving ball in the green, and then did his interview with uh, Curtis – you know, I, I, I make the comment, well, you know, I guess I'm, I really like Phil, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on this, but he should go on politics when he's done because that was some serious spin right there. <laughs> In other words, I didn't believe him, but I'm not going to call him a liar. Right. You know, uh, it's just not the right way to do it, and it comes out a certain way, and I'm happy, you know, but I learned my lesson early on about, take, about being personal about an individual who's just trying to do their best. We'll take a quick break in the conversation there with Paul to remind you that the Titleist TS Driver and Fairway medals are out, and they're fantastic. I've heard rumors from people that aren't associated with Titleist that are saying it's their best woods ever made, which is crazy to think. I was a 975D guy back in high school, as I'm sure you were as well. And uh, every event, every junior event I'd go to, everybody'd have that 975D. They just like Tiger Woods had with the uh, the metal shaft. Well, this one is way better than that. The title is TS Driver and Ferry Metals. I've got the TS3 Driver. I've got the four wood. I'm loving them. And uh, you can as well. The Titleist Golf Club R&D team found speed from every detail on the driver. And they're ready for you to experience. I've picked up distance. I've picked up ball speed. But don't just listen to me. Get fit yourself. You can find driver fitting locations now at Titleist.com. And stay tuned. We're going to have a sweepstakes over the next few weeks where you can win a driver. You don't even have to pay for it. You can win it. So stay tuned to that. Make sure you subscribe to the Clubhouse Podcast and keep up with that because we're going to be giving one away. And it's always nice if you get a free club before the holidays because then you can ask for other stuff. You can ask for a couple dozen Pro Vs or a new bag, uh, new shoes. The FootJoy shoes are unbelievable. All of those things you can ask for if you win this contest. So stay tuned for that. All right, back to Paul. And then there you go. I mean, that's kind of rolled into what I was going to ask you next was what makes a good golf analyst and. Um, I do think that finding a way to say it differently. I mean, I used to read. Uh, I used to read Rick Riley religiously when I was a kid because you know, I mean, he was the guy to read. Back page of SI, you jumped over there. I wanted to be a writer. That was what I loved. And I read his book one time, and in, in his foreword there, he said, "If you can say it a different way, say it that way every time. You know, if you can make yeah. it sound different than the cliche that you hear every single time." That's important. You, I laughed at you one time. We were playing this this past year. We were playing this USGA versus Fox uh, a little battle. It was on Saturday at the US Amateur. Uh, we were playing mm-hmm. in Spanish Bay. You were the group in front of us playing with Mark Loomis, and uh, and you said you said back to back about a tee shot. You said that's straighter than train smoke and lower than a snake's belly. And these are zingerisms <laughs> that you know you just somehow have been able to kind of pin into your uh, broadcasting. And I think that's what makes it so entertaining and it's so unique. But I do want to ask, I mean, in your opinion, what does make a good golf analyst? I believe you have to be a keen observer, 
for one thing and a student of the game or just forget about it if you're not a student of the game and you have to love golf you have to want to have a little bit of fun as well and i i want to bring the fun factor in there because uh i just think it's important now i'm not saying funny factor because golfers aren't funny and they nor should they try to be uh but i think you have to be a keen observer and my my philosophy in that booth shane and you know what it is let the picture be descriptive and then you be informative i played the tour for 30 years I played professional golf, you know, uh, beyond, I've been a pro for 40-something years. And it, I guess it, you know, in the end, just let the picture tell the story. I, all that, all those years of experience will come flooding out if you can articulate a thought. And so I'm not going to ever tell the viewer what they just saw, or I'm going to try not to. Um, but what I am going to do is try to lend some insight as to how we think. Uh, and that really beyond that, it's just not that complicated. I think it's simple, but it's not all that easier. Everybody could do it. And as far as saying things different, uh, and, and Rick Riley, he asked me a question about Curtis one time. And I'm just going to say what I said because it's a little off color. But I just said, they said, what about Curtis? He's got a lot of guts, huh? And I said to Riley, I said, he's got enough hair on his ass to make a ponytail, which is kind of like <laughs> saying something different. Right. But – it was, you know, just to me, it was like this is a, this is the way I'm going to describe, you know, what a hard, what a tough player Curtis Strange is, and that's right. what I said to Rick Riley, and he wrote it, and those kind of, I don't know, it's just the way I think, I guess, and uh, but I'm really always conscious of the player and what they're trying to do, and I have a lot of respect for how they do it because um, I did it, and and I look when I. When I watch golf now, I wonder how I did it. You know the old saying, the longer you're in the booth, the better you used to be? Right. Well, there's two ways to look at that. You think you were better than you really were now that you're in the booth, or you actually are better than you used to be because you wouldn't be in the booth if you could still play. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. It's it, And, you know, it's, it's a different generation. I mean, this is a different generation of golfers, and – Something that I think is very cool about golf broadcasting right now, and it's something I wanted to get into a little bit later, but I'll ask now since we're talking about it, is you know, how do you balance the PGA Tour in 2019? And my point on that is we have this unbelievable opportunity right now to broadcast this comeback of Tiger Woods. And we got to do it in 2018. You know, we got a chance to do it at the U.S. Open. And now now you'll get to do it, you know, week to week, you know, with the PGA Tour and through the major championships early in the season. But we had a chance to follow Tiger Woods. Now, now we did the we made this mistake early in Tiger's career where everything was Tiger, and then it was a big, big gap, and then the storyline two, three, and four came along. We got a we got a big time away from Tiger Woods. Now we have him back. But how do you balance the excitement of Tiger Woods at all these major championships without forgetting about this generation that's gonna have to carry the PGA tour the next 10, 15, 20 years? Because it is an unbelievable group of guys that are extremely talented, but the storyline going into the season and going into every major this year is going to be 1A is going to be Tiger Woods and then the rest. Yeah, that's the way it is. I, I think that the PGA Tour is a two-show pony, and Tiger's one and a half, and the rest are going to get a half. And it's not to say that they're not great and they're not carrying the torch, but that patch of time when Tiger was gone, it felt like, that these guys were making up the gap, and it it was okay. And then suddenly Tiger Woods is back, and then the realization is that he's ten times everybody else combined. And, you know, 
the fact that he's got it back together and he won the last event of the year and he's going to be the story, the lead story of every event we get to cover, it just is unbelievable. I don't guess he's going to play in the 2018 part of the wraparound season, but the whole entire golf world and the viewers are excited to see what's up next for Tiger Woods, and I get to sit in there and tell you about it and talk about it and observe what he's doing up close and personal. I was there in 1997 when he showed up. Payne Stewart and I were standing on the tarmac. We had come in on a private plane from a tournament, and he had come in from just winning the U.S. Amateur, and we bumped into him right there on the tarmac. Hadn't even made it to the uh, whatever the the uh, baggage claim or whatever it is yet, and uh, we both spent 15, 20 minutes trying to talk about a turning pro and just say, Stay amateur, bro. <laughs> Leave us some of that purse. Uh, but I don't think anybody knew he was going to be that good. Uh, but what an exciting time for golf because now these guys, they've all wanted a piece of Tiger, right? Didn't they all say that? We want to see Tiger at his best. No, you don't. You don't because he's going to bring more with him than just that game you can't defend against. He's going to bring with him that crowd, and he's going to show up wearing black pants and a shirt the color of blood, and he's out for blood. Um, and it's a different Tiger. He doesn't outdrive everybody. Uh, but as far as I can tell right now, the only guy that got a real taste of him was Brooks Kepka. And Brooks Kepka stared him down and beat him. And so Brooks Kepka's already put that behind him. He's tucked it away. But not anybody else has. Not anybody else. So let's see how it goes. I can't wait to watch it. I think the anticipation of the 2019 season is as high as it's been in a long, long time. Yeah, and and just you know, just kind of going back just to one point is you know, is it important to you to make sure that you balance that out a bit? You know, to to make sure that you don't forget about the Justin Thomases or the Brooks Kepkas or the Jordan Speeds when you're doing these broadcasts yeah. because so much focus is as it should be on this guy because we are waiting for him now. Now he has a win, as you mentioned, he won the Tour Championship. And, uh, and now he's going to go to these major championships with a real chance. We saw him getting the hunt at the Open at the PGA Championship. But at the same time, the focus can't be entirely on Tiger, even if it feels yeah. like it maybe should be. Well, it's a total package, the PGA Tour, and there are some really bright, bright stars uh, that know how to behave. They, they play the game uh, on another level. Uh, they bomb the ball 300 yards in the air and, you know, all of that. You can't ignore watching arguably the greatest player that's ever played in what is arguably uh, one of the greatest comebacks in sports history. I just don't see how you can ignore that uh, fact. But, you have, of course, you have to pay attention to what else is going on. Uh, but it's all about Tiger Woods, man. You know that. Right. It's, it's, if you could have watched Byron Nelson or Ben Hogan or Sam Snead or – you know, more than three holes of Jack Nicklaus in his prime or Arnold Palmer in their primes, you would have done it. And, you know, Tiger's better than all of them. Maybe not Nicklaus, but he's better than all of them. Right. And it's hard to complain because I know nobody would complain about watching Hogan's every shot. <laughs> but he isn't here now. That's Tiger's right. here, and he was better than Hogan. So if we don't focus on Tiger, then who the heck are we? Right. However, you're right. You make a great point. But that really falls on the producers and the directors and how many shots they're going to show. As an analyst, you take the feed that you're getting and you react to it. And I think the obsession with Tiger Woods goes far beyond TV. And uh, we're going to do everything we can to document everything he does. 
You know, you said on a podcast about this time last year, you said he could get back to number one in the world. And I think I laughed for like four minutes straight on the podcast. And I'm the one that's eating crow. You nailed it. I mean, I was I was listening to a podcast a couple days ago, and they were talking about the top five players in the world if you just threw the rankings out. And yep. Tiger was the name mentioned in that conversation, and I don't think it's far off. I mean, he didn't have his best stuff at the Ryder Cup, but I think if you were seriously talking about the guys that right now have played top five level golf over the last few months, I mean, Tiger got himself in the conversation at Carnoustie. He played great at the PJ Championship. He won the Tour Championship, kind of going away. Everybody wilted a bit. I don't see how he's not at least in that grouping or at least right outside of it. Oh, of course. He's he's proven that in this run. Longevity is going to really be the only question about Tiger Woods. But uh, I got asked the question yesterday, uh, at their best, who's the best? Is it Kepka? Is it DJ? Is it Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Patrick Reed? Is it Jason Day, Justin Rose? No, it's Tiger Woods. <laughs> and you know why? Because it's Tiger Woods. Right. He's won, he's won 80 times. We've seen him at his best. Nobody can beat that. And at his best now, I just think the only difference when if Tiger's at his best is that he's 20 yards shorter than the longest player uh, rather than 20 yards longer than the longest player. What does that mean? I, I don't know if, if the distance off the tee that Tiger currently hits, it's going to take wedges out of his hand. I still think he's going to get 8 to 10 wedges every day, and um, he still can reach these monstrous par fives. Uh, so I just still see Tiger. You know, I said the other day, I said, What's Tiger ranked in the world ranking? Someone said 13th. I said, well, looks like the number one player in the world's currently ranked 13th. <laughs> but then that would be a slam on Kepka. Right. He is definitely the best player in the world right now. And I'm, you know, it's kind of tongue in cheek. But when, you know, you got to look at this generation now that that uh, us, the older generation that's retiring or in our 50s, and we caught him at the very beginning. And we saw that progression, and we saw him win 50% of his tournaments. And, you know, he never missed a putt, Shane. He didn't miss a putt for 13 years that he had to make. He finally missed one on the 71st hole against Y.E. Yang at Hazeltine. But try to remember a putt like on the 71st hole or the 72nd hole or the 70th hole of a championship that he didn't make. He never missed it. I kept. I remember when he was standing over the putt to tie Bob May at the PGA at Valhalla, and I was thinking, I was standing in the kitchen, we rented a house that week, and my brothers, we were all in there, and I said, finally, Tiger's going to miss a putt he has to make. And he made it, and he won the playoff. <laughs> so he just makes the putts he has to make over and over again. He's yeah, still doing it. He's did it at 18th green at the PGA to at least give himself a, a shouting chance at Brooks Koepka, yep. of course, didn't didn't come through. But I agree with you. I, I have to ask a story. I was talking to our producer at Fox, Fox Mark Loomis, uh, who put you and Faldo together back yeah, in did. the day at ABC. You guys are now going to be the voice of NBC and CBS and Fox Golf. Uh, so I wanted to ask first, how did you hear about that for the first time? And, now, and second, I'll follow it up with, could you have ever seen that being the case this many years later? I didn't see that being the case, but I'm not a visionary. I don't see that far out in the future. I'm trying to get through today. Uh, but Loomis has to be a bit of a visionary to see that even the, that the two of us could work. Because let's face it, uh, Shane, nobody heard Faldo complete a sentence 
before he got the TV job. And now his voice activation system switched on, and we can't turn it off. <laughs> so I just didn't see how Faldo was going to be able to articulate enough and talk enough to do the job. But I was wrong. He's redefined himself. He actually uh, was, you know, he was unapproachable, really, when he played the tour. And if you hit a good shot, he would never say good shot. He'd, he'd kind of acknowledge it with a, he'd, he'd go like this. He'd go, ah, ah. You're like, what in the heck was that? <laughs> and Calc and I used to talk about it. Hey, nice shot, Calc. Ah, ah. We'd laugh at each other. <laughs> but that's how Faldo was. And then suddenly, when he set those clubs down, he became very approachable. And he and I got pretty tight. And I think we're still, you know, we've been texting each other back and forth. And, but you got to give Loomis the credit. He was a visionary. And uh, who would have known back in those days? We were with Tarico at the time, and it just made it easy on us. The crew was already in place there pretty much. And You know, I've been lucky, Shane, because I've always been surrounded by really great talent. And uh, having you in there at Fox is another indication of great talent. Um, and we put Curtis on the ground, facts and so thorough it's a joke fleshes his own self and a buck stands alone he's about to call his 20th world series this week which is mind-boggling to me uh so i've just been lucky as all get out to be able to cover tiger my entire broadcasting career and uh you know i, I don't know what else to say about it i'm, I'm just thrilled Take our last break with our conversation with Paul Azinger to let you know that BetDSI.com has been paying winners for, get this, 20 years. Jordan Spieth was five years old at the time. Top-rated on betting review sites. You can use your golf and sports knowledge to make some extra cash. Always a bonus there. BetDSI has a very friendly interface. It's easy to use on mobile sites. It has the fastest payouts in the industry. It's simple. You play, you win, and you get paid. It offers betting options for everything. You can bet on the PGA Tour, NFL, NCAA, NBA and on and on it goes. You can try live betting on BetDSI where you can bet on golf throughout the entire round, every hole and every minute until the very end. My goodness, I'm going to be busy watching this week's event. New members get a 100% bonus match using the promo code BACON100. BACON, like my name, 100. That's more than double your money to start winning today. Check out all the great options at BetDSI.com. Good luck, but you won't need it. You're a smart golf fan. I know you are. Play, win, and get paid. All right, back to Paul. Yeah, are you uh, are you prepared for the schedule you have? You're going to be working way too much, man. This is like this is like nonstop. You're going to be frequent flyer miles are going to go out of the roof. You're going to get these Marriott points. <laughs> it's not that bad uh, because <laughs> it, it's really not. There's there's real long stretches, you know, or short stretches. I'll maybe do five in a row: Mexico City, the Florida Swing. And then I'll have time off and then come over and, and hang with you guys and do the U.S. Open and the women's. You know, I'd have a month off between my last PGA Tour event and the U.S. Open, at least a month off. And then I'll have another full month or five weeks off after the U.S. Open to call my next event, which will be the Open Championship. I'm not allowed to say British Open anymore. So it'll be the Open Championship <laughs> over there. Um, and then... Really, I come back and finish off the season with the FedEx Cup. Uh, so it's not as bad as it looks, but it is kind of daunting if you think I'm going to be doing it 16 weeks a year compared to doing nothing. But 
you know, my, I got three brothers, two older, one younger. And my older brothers, they always say to me, we always knew you'd never have to work for a living. I don't know how you did it. But <laughs> I'm saying, bro, you need to sweat over some of those five-footers to try to make the cut and see if that's not work. <laughs> and the broadcasting doesn't feel like work, but mainly because I think I've been surrounded by so many great people. And these producers, it's like falling off a log for them to get in there and produce this sport that we all love to watch. Uh, so I don't consider it work, even though I know I will be working a lot. Yeah, and you're going to do Olympics, you're going to do President's Cup, so you're going to be, I mean, yep. international travel, man. You got a, you've got some stuff on the schedule. Yeah. I know it's going to be exciting, though. I mean, I know you, and it by is. the way, I saw you somehow got the, uh, you got to do the Fox stuff, and it just so happens that the U.S. Open this year is at Pebble Beach, so I, good swing on that. <laughs> Listen, I'll spend a week in Pebble Beach, fine, I can do that. I'll swing that. I'll, I'll slum it at Pebble, and <laughs> i stay at the Lodge, and... Uh, yeah, I'll, all of that. I'll have dinner I'm, at the tap. I know. Uh, I, I got to go renew my passport, I can tell you that, because I am going to go to Japan, and uh, I'll be all over. But I can do it. I'm looking forward to it. I've sat around long enough, Shane. I set those clubs down uh, early, early in the year in uh, 2010 when I turned 50. Um, I just wasn't committed to playing the game for a living anymore. I'd lost that competitive edge. It didn't turn my stomach to see these guys beating me. It it was okay with me. And once it became okay, it was time to, to shut it down, and I did. And I haven't done much for the last seven or eight years but sit on the couch and go wet a line or, you know, crank around on my motorcycle. Pretty nice life, but i got to say it gets boring after a while. I'm excited to strap the boots back on and get out there on the road. I wanted to ask, I read through the transcript, and you said, you talked about butterflies, and you said you played in a Masters one time, and you didn't have butterflies, and you said the reasoning was because you just knew you weren't going to be competitive. What year was that, and uh, and was it a strange feeling to be there kind of, and I'm sure this happens all the time, I'm sure for players they know the weeks they have it and the weeks they don't, but what year was that when when you got there and you're kind of going, you know, I'm just going to kind of go through the motions? I can't remember exactly, but I think it was in the, 2000 and somethings and I was I was in my early 40s I think I was paired with Tom Kite and on the first tee I can remember thinking I cannot believe I'm not nervous but I knew why and uh, I hated to admit it. it's the first time I ever said it out loud to anybody other than my wife if you're not nervous I just don't know how you can be great if you go to the Olympics and you realize they play this every four years, not just the golf, but the Olympics in general, and you're a gymnast or whatever you are, I mean, you train for four years for one week or two weeks of your life, and you tell me they're not nervous, but guess what they're doing? They're setting world records. You know, they're breaking they're breaking world records. And uh, it's like watching the NBA and Michael Jordan. It, it, you know, if it's not full of pressure, you don't see greatness. And so greatness – I think pressure is required, nerves are required for greatness to pay you a visit. And um, but that's just the way I've always looked at it. And I, I never minded being nervous when I teed off, having to lead it at a tournament, you know, whether it be a major or anything, uh, going to a Sunday, I just considered it something that I had to embrace or, I, um, you know, I'm, I had to go away. It, you know, I, I realized that in 1985. I mean, Bert Yancey gave me – I was leading Hilton Head after two rounds the week after the Masters, and I was so nervous. My wife and I were living in a motor home. We were staying in a campground down the road, and I called Bert Yancey, who was a friend of mine, and I just said, Bert, I said, I don't know, man. I said, uh, 
I don't know if I want to make a living being this nervous. And he said, Zinger, you want to be so nervous you can't spit. I said, <laughs> why is that? He said, son, because if you're not, you're in the middle of the pack. And at that moment, I embraced the pressure and looked at my caddy. I got to the first tee. I said, check this out. I can't even spit. <laughs> coughing up the dry stuff. And that's kind of how that happened for me, where I really did embrace the nerves and the pressure. And it's like going to the broadcast booth. I, well, you know, I had butterflies yesterday. And uh, it's a big part of it, man. If, if something doesn't make you a little bit nervous um, in the lifestyle that I've kind of grown up in, uh, it, I think it's a luxury not to have that kind of nerves and that pressure. But for me, it'd be something, it'd be a, like there's a void here. Something's missing. And so I, I just, I said this a long time ago, I never made a nickel when I wasn't nervous getting it. Well, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it, and it's just like you said, I mean, there's, there's broadcast moments where the countdown to start the show or, you know, you're getting yep. down to the stretch. And of course there's going to be nerves there. Like you said, it's, it's a big part of it, but it's about, you know, the preparation and, and knowing and believing that you're there for a reason. And it's important to know there's yep. people behind you that believe in you. And I think that's something on the golf course or really just kind of an any step of life. I definitely have felt those um, over the over the last couple of weeks doing a couple of NFL sideline well, gigs. I was, I was out there. How ner- <laughs> Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, when you're doing NFL and you're standing on the football field before a game and there's 60,000 yeah. people screaming, you can barely hear your producer. You're going, oh, boy, I hope I'm, I hope I'm ready for this thing. And, uh, and then when you actually you pull were, it off. You were. I saw you over there. It was awesome. But I really still believe, and I'll believe it all my life, that uh, – Nerves are required for greatness to show up. That's just all there is to it. Well, Zing, I'm pumped for you, man. I, I mean, as I said, you're the yeah. you're the only man for the job. It's going to be awesome to have you. Um, you know, I get to sit beside you a lot. I'm excited to have you yep. on my television when I get a chance to sit on the couch and watch from home. Because, uh, you know, for the people that don't get a chance to see you that much, I mean, if they get a chance to watch the U.S. Open or if they're a amateur golf fan and they watch the amateur, or they watch the the women's open. I mean. You know, you were an integral part of what we do, and you will continue to be. But uh, it's, yeah, I think it's I'm a blessing to go- yeah. Well, I think it's a blessing to golf fans to get a chance to have you in there. And like I said, I don't think there's anybody else uh, that would have been fit for that job. So a big congrats. We at Fox are pumped for you, and we're, we're glad you're going to be around for a couple of the opens. And uh, when you we'll see you after the waste management, right? That'll be your first gig. I think so. I think so. I think um, well, they're milling around a little bit as to what to do exactly, but it looks like I'm going to start it in Mexico City. Uh, that world event down there, that's some traveling too, by the way. I didn't want to go down there, but it's a world event, so that was one of the requirements. But, you know, Shane, sitting by you makes it easier for me too uh, because you're very thorough, you're good at your job, and you're prepared. And I can't even imagine the nerves you must have been dealing with before this podcast to get all the questions right and all oh, that. For sure, but so yeah, far, was... you've handled it. You handled it beautifully. Oh man, I was super nervous talking to you. Always just it just gets me, just gets me. I'm just on the edge of my seat all the time in my little my little boring podcast studio. So, are you going to still fish a lot, or is that going to be? Are you going to have to you know, to put the rods away for like weeks on end? I'll bring a rod with me. I've got a three and four piece rod that'll go right in the old suitcase. I think. Some of those courses provide some of the greatest fishing on the planet. And I imagine I'll be, especially at Honda, with all those ponds down there at PJ National, I'll be in there and I'll get my share of fishing in. Uh, when I get home, I've got a boat on the lift, and I'm sure it'll hit the water right away. I, I do love to fish, but I, I, lo- I think I really love golf more, and it certainly pays better. Uh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm excited about this this year. We get to call Tiger Woods again, man. That's the main thing. And all these budding superstars, all these guys that have 
snapped off two and three and four majors, uh, and they're still in their 20s or barely getting to their 30s. They're going to get a real taste of what Tiger's all about. And uh, let's see if they can take him down or if it's the other way around. That's Paul Azinger. New gig, face of NBC Golf Channel Golf starting in 2019. And, of course, he'll be a part of our Fox coverage as well at a couple of the USGA events. Paul, congrats again. And have a, have a good next few months because uh, the yeah. busy season starts, I guess, what, around right around March. Yeah, hopefully I'll get my passport here before I got to leave the country. <laughs> <laughs> see you, buddy. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! A big thanks to Paul Azinger for jumping on. I know he's very busy with all of the news coming out this week. And so, uh, you know, I'm just, as you can tell, I love talking to the guy. He's one of my favorite people in all of golf. Uh, Before we go, just a reminder, when it comes to golf equipment, we always want a new driver. You want a brand new golf ball. You want brand new shoes. You want to look sharp. You're never going to look sharp if you have a ratty golf bag. Upgrade yours today to the Ogeo Cirrus bag. Check out Ogeo.com or your local golf retailer to get your hands on a Cirrus today. Stop carrying around that old golf bag, for goodness sakes. It's time for an upgrade. Ogeo, the world's best bags all right guys have a great week hope you get a chance to play a little bit of golf we got a good event this week we got the china event i'm at home over the weekend i'm going to be able to wake up early and uh, and check that out and then of course we got a ton of nfl and everything else uh bet dsi the new titleist driver ogio check all that out big thanks to them we will see you guys next week